Hi everyone, and welcome to Ahara Homeroom Conversations. I'm Elizabeth Irwin. I'm Gwen Hoffman. I'm Dawn Keatley. And on today's episode, we're celebrating Women in Horror Month by taking another look at Amy Holden Jones' directed slasher, Slumber Party Massacre from 1982. Both adored and reviled, this cult classic has left audiences divided over whether the film is ultimately exploitative or feminist. Today, we are weighing in on that debate, as well as asking whether death by a 12-inch drill can ever be anything other than phallic. So stay <laughs> tuned. I guess one question that I wanted to ask you all, since it's Women in Horror Month, and this right is one of the very few horror films, maybe the only slasher film, that's like all female, written, produced, directed... Because I guess Amy Holden Jones was a producer as well as the director. So can you tell this is written, produced, and directed by by women? No. <laughs> Why didn't you think about that for a minute? It was just boom. No. No. I was gonna say yes, so I'm curious why you I was would say, say no. Say yes. So why don't you guys give me the yes? All right. <laughs> I would say yes, because I think the way that they use the gaze is very intentional. Like, I, there's no way for me that you could watch this film and think of it as anything other than a parody. And I was doing a little bit of research, and there's a really interesting backstory to this. So the script is presumably written by Rita Mae Brown. Mm -hmm. But according to Amy Holden Jones, actually, in a post on Horror Homeroom, she says that she took the script and basically rewrote it. And I was trying to find something where Rita Mae Brown may have weighed in on this, and there was nothing. Really? I'm not sure who the parody elements come from, but just the little details, like as soon as the film opens, it's so excessively tropey that it has to be intentional. There's no way that's accidental. You must be a graduate student using the word tropey. (laughs) (laughs) Guilty. Um, yeah, I mean, I read uh, what Rebecca Booth wrote on Horror Homeroom 2 and this fantastic little interview she had with Amy Holden Jones. And it's Amy Holden Jones claims that she introduced all the parody, right? And that none of yeah. that was there in the original script. I would love to get my hands on that original script. I would, I too. I thought it was interesting that she said she didn't have a copy of it anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I thought maybe Rita Mae Brown may yeah. have clapped back and said, well, wait a minute, I did deserve writing credit, yeah. but... I she might like, have moved on. I, don't I know. did like a quick two-minute Google search um, and <laughs> couldn't find any. Like Rita Mae Brown doesn't seem to have really talked about Slumber Party Massacre. And I can't imagine um, why it's such a good movie. <laughs> no, I don't think it's yeah. a good movie. But I do think I really liked the way I it played with it. color. And I thought that would be something you would like, Gwen, because, you know, it felt very but I'm a cheerleader in terms of the way it used color. You think? I thought so, yeah. Like the red especially was sort of like a recurring motif. See, I missed that. I didn't really see it. Well, okay, back before we hear why it's not evident that it's written by a woman and produced and directed by one, I guess I thought, and and Rebecca, it turns out, mentioned this too, I just thought the fact that there are women playing your usual sort of background roles that are often men in other films, like the phone worker at the beginning, the gym teacher, it's just like the norm is kind of women. Yeah, the repair person's stood out to me, too, because she was so gentle in the way she let the guy down. And I don't think a male writer would have picked up on that. And, like, little details like Courtney reading Playboy. Or Playgirl. Yeah, Yeah, Playgirl. I don't think a male writer would even think 
to include something like that? Because it's not something I remember seeing in horror films. No, I just, I guess I still don't see a lot of those things because I think part of it for me is that the characters weren't well-developed, and I think that that's something that's a little bit more characteristic of a a female writer, director, producer. And I understand that it was initially started as a, a parody, but I think the fact that all of them kind of blended into one another to the point that yeah. I could barely remember who was who. Yeah. That's true. Is, is one thing. But the boys blend even more. I mean, tell me you remember who is Jeff and who is Neil. Right. <laughs> right. No. We, were talking, so, we were talking about that a little bit earlier, too. Yeah. But again, it's all about them standing outside of, of the windows and watching them yeah. and the pleasure that they're getting for that throughout the film. Yeah. I just... There's so many scenes, too, of just the women undressing yeah, and these long, drawn-out kind of scenes of their bodies. And again, I guess maybe that just often defaults to that male gaze, maybe? I don't know. But I felt like it was upending that gaze. Like You have the boys being like voyeurs, and I felt like it was almost making the argument, you've been doing exactly what they just did this whole film. At least that's what came across to me. Was that the last time they were naked when the boys were... Because it seemed like, yeah, they were constantly stripping. But yeah. was that the last time when the boys so. were watching them? So yeah. maybe it makes you a voyeur as the viewer. And then they show you the boys doing it and how silly they look. That's what I and got so, out of it. Oh, that's but pretty I might be. It's <laughs> <laughs> my one comment about this movie that I have. <laughs> no, you're not buying it. No. I guess there's just nothing that really stood out. So, like, if you're going to ask me if it's obvious that it's written by women, there's nothing that makes it just overt for me. Right. Like, I feel like I would have to grasp at some straws. Yeah. But what would be qualities that would make a film feel like it was female-driven? Black Christmas, which, oddly enough, was not written by women. But I, I think that there was just the narrative that was there. The characters were better developed. It was more yeah. about what was going on with those women. So you think, like, more complexity is more... In tune with, like, something that's female-driven. Yeah. I would agree with that. More complexity, more character development. Because it is true that, I mean, I guess I ended up like, I I liked Valerie. Everyone else sort of seemed to blur together. Yeah. Um, But even Valerie was not really very well-developed. I mean, who is she? What does she care about? We don't know. And I think the one thing that sort of worked against it is I really liked the killer. I very much enjoyed him. I no. did. Oh my God. I very no. much enjoyed him. No. Because he was so campy. You didn't enjoy this killer? No. Oh my gosh. Why? He was just boring. And I, I think this kind of feeds back to some of our earlier discussions where we talked about I just kind of want to know a little bit more about my killer. I just kind of want to oh, know okay. the who, the what, the where, yeah. the when, the why. Yeah. And I just. So he's some random serial killer yeah. who got out of jail, who, who like, escaped. Yeah. That's all I know. And there's just nothing descript about him either. Yeah. I told you earlier, he looked like a Lebanese version of Anderson Cooper, who just hadn't slept <laughs> in a while. I can't unsee that. He just <laughs> hasn't slept in a while. But there was just nothing yeah. about him. But you didn't find him funny? I thought he was hysterical. <laughs> like, when he wraps himself up in the carpet... And he sort of, like, gives that little wink nod. I was laughing at the screen. No, nothing. Well, I was laughing when he curled up in the blanket because I was like, really, it's time for a nap now? But he was just lying awake. Every time that there was a shot of him, I was just kind of like, he's just not that scary to me. Yeah. He's like Michael Myers. One of the things that I found interesting about this film, watching it now, is how much it like resonates with Halloween and Black Christmas and Friday the 13th Part 2. 
not the first one so much. But to me, he was just like Michael Myers without a mask, and he talked. Which, which, and with the lack of the mask and the talking just made him kind of less threatening. And a little ludicrous. I mean, I, I found him, like, more ludicrous than funny. I guess he reminded me of Bob on Twin Peaks. I enjoyed him. And I think it's hysterical that he's killing women with literally a 12-inch yeah. drill. Yeah. That's always hanging between his legs. Exactly. Yeah. I'll I mean, give you that. But like that every goes, shot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that goes into, like, my argument yeah. that this had to have been parody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It had to I have been, right? That. I agree with that. Because I read some things that people think that it was supposed to be a serious horror film. See, I kind of read the opposite, that it was intended as a parody, and then it kind of became a regular horror film, which right, I still, see it, as, I still see it as more of a parody. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's like someone had read Carol Clover's book before Carol Clover even wrote it. You know, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. with, with the killer being kind of sexually disturbed. And she, I, I did look at, to see if she talked about this film, and she mentions it only very briefly twice. And one of them is to say that the killer is, like, in line with all of the killers and slashers, according to her theory, sexually disturbed. And she quotes the great line. And I think with, with the drillist phallus and then the thing he says near the end, mm-hmm. I mean, he gave Carol Clover her argument about the sexually disturbed killer. But, you know, when he goes, all of you were very pretty. I love you. Takes a lot of love for a person to do this. You know you love it. You want it. <laughs> I mean, that just didn't make sense. No. But it's amazing. <laughs> I was cracking up at that point. I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, this movie even had a Jim Jones joke. Oh, which yeah. Which <laughs> landed. Drink, drink and I thought, okay. yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm completely in. Can it be exploitative as well as feminist? Or does it have to be, be one, one or the other? other? That's yeah. a great question. I guess you don't really have any choice because viewers are going to see the same film and some of them will see it as feminist and some of them will see it as exploitative. But in that interview with Amy Holden Jones on Horror Homeroom, she says that Corman demanded the nudity. Because for me, the most exploitative part of Mm. the film was the constant nudity. And she claims that Roger Corman said, you got to have some nudity. Oh, that's interesting. I I thought it was intentional on her part. Well, there goes my theory. (laughs) Destroyed. Well, but she chose how to do the nudity, right? How to present it. That's true. How to put it in the narrative. But isn't that a component of what makes horror fun? Is that you do have all of sort of the exploitation and the ridiculousness? Mm -hmm. Oh, I do enjoy that. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Like, I want to see blood and guts and boobs and, like, the the whole thing. Because that was what was fun as a kid. That's all. That's all. It's all. It's all. It's all. It's Should we go through the characters one by one? I mean, is there enough to differentiate them to even warrant that? Barely, but we can go through some. Okay, one character that was a little bit different, I thought, was uh, Coach Rachel and how she came in. And really, she only, spoiler alert, but she only meets her demise sort of accidentally. She doesn't really do anything to facilitate it. She's fighting back and winning, One of the only authority figures, I guess, theoretically, that kind of came in to step in and help, too. Right. And I think that's rare in horror films, too. You don't usually have the presence of an adult who is competent and capable. So that was something interesting. Adult. She's like 28 rather than 21. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know Uh, he cut the phone lines, but I mean, somehow they reached out to her and that's who they chose. (laughs) Like, I need to call my coach. My gym teacher to come and save the day. Are you kidding me? I, that's the last person that I would have called. That's not who you're calling? Oh, my God. She was an instrument of torture. Are you kidding me? 
All those showers she would make us do, those group showers? Are you kidding me? No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> oh, I'm not touching that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's <laughs> some middle school there. trauma in there. I'm <laughs> not going there. Well, these girls are into sports. And I have yeah. to say, like, kind of side note, that's another thing that made me think this is kind of written, directed by a woman. I mean, that mm. scene where the two girls, God, Kimberly and Jackie, are at the sink talking about baseball. You know, they're just, oh, like, yeah. chatting about how many who hit all the runs last night or something oh that's right and that's a recurring theme yeah. and they even call the coach they to call like the coach to <laughs> find confirm. out about that that's true that's i forgot point. about so, that part but i thought like yeah i thought it was good that the person who comes in to save the day is a woman but she stops trish from stabbing the guy i um, <laughs> i was screaming at the television at that point yeah. i was just like are you are you kidding are me? you insane yeah <laughs> I mean, that's got to be parody, too, because that's also why Kimberly dies in the bedroom, because they, like, feebly knock him down with something, and then the two girls are trying to get out, and he just stabs one of them before they get out. And I was like, you should have been bashing his brains in right. with that baseball bat or whatever. Yes, if they were better softball or baseball yeah. players, they would have, like, hit that home run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So they fail to go through on the violence that's necessary, like, twice at least. And one of them is when the coach stops Trish from stabbing the guy. I thought for me, I, the one character who was interesting, I thought, aside from the killer, who I do enjoy, nope. uh, was <laughs> okay, Courtney, clear. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the younger daughter. Because yeah. the way she was used, I thought, was like both disturbing but also interesting. Just the visual of having her read Playgirl while sucking on like the world's biggest lollipop was... <laughs> Had to have been intentional, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> but it seemed strange, like, to have someone that young put in that position. Like, if you consider horror films, usually usually the younger kids aren't sexualized so much. Usually that's more yeah, the, that's true. you know, 17, 18-year-olds. How, how old was she supposed to be? Do, do we remember? 14, um, maybe? Okay. 13, 14. But then they dial it back with that phone conversation she's having with her friend about French kissing. That's true. Yeah, what she said was gross. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, she was a little nuts, though. Like, after she went after her sister with the knife, yeah. like, she was super angry at yeah. that point. She could be one of the next button killers. There is a sequel. Yeah. Is there really? There is. I've yeah. not seen that sequel. No, I haven't, but it, there is one. I mean, I was thinking of watching it, but then I saw it just got, like, trashed. Yeah. And I think that I would have had to pay for it, and I was like, no. Because it's, <laughs> it's not on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Yeah, some have to be free. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There was a cat. There was yeah. two cats, Two maybe. cats. There was yeah. the two cats. Yeah. I just remember. Oh, that's cats. right, outside. Yeah, and they didn't look wet. <laughs> that's all I got about the cat. Yeah. <laughs> but I did notice it. Now yeah. I notice cats in horror films. <laughs> now, does that make it a, a female-driven film, whenever there's the cats? Yeah. Rather than dogs, because there's oh. a really important dog scene in Halloween. You know, where, well, Michael kills the family dog while Annie is spilling butter on herself and taking her clothes off. <laughs> and he's kind of mad. The dog's kind of masculinized in Halloween because Annie says something like, oh, got a hot date, whatever his name is. The dog, I can't remember his name. So I think it is kind of a feminine thing that there are cats in this. Well, I know what we should talk about. When the one girl gets killed in the school. And, oh, right at the beginning. Right, yeah. and she's stabbed, and the only reason he's able to find her is because she's literally, like, gushing out blood that comes under the under door. Under the door. I mean, maybe because I just rewatched Carrie. I don't oh, know, but okay. it seems like a pretty mm. clear... I know you're going to hate this, but it seems like... 
a nod to menstruation, which would be something I think a female director would pick up on. I hear your argument. I did, I did not see that when it <laughs> happened, I but it. I see it now, and I think that I'd buy, buy that. How do you feel about his death? It was a little anticlimactic at that point. I felt like the drill should have been... I mean, I guess I shouldn't say anticlimactic. I mean, he really, he was losing limbs left and right. So, I mean, it was, like, visually interesting. Yeah. I wonder why they chose to do it that way, because he falls on top of Valerie and when she's holding the machete, which is very phallic, now that you mention it. On, like, on her part, you know, Mm -hmm. she penetrates him as he falls on Mm -hmm. her. But it still does take multiple females to bring down this one, I would say, rather incompetent serial killer. Because he did, it really didn't seem yeah. like he was otherworldly. Like Michael Myers, you think, okay, like he has this strength yeah. that is... But this killer doesn't. He seems very human, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. just very, they're here, I'm going to kill them. Yeah, yeah. That there really isn't much more to it than that. I don't know if that's more interesting or less interesting. See, now you're making me dial back my love for this killer. It's upsetting. (laughs) Our job is Because then I have nothing left. I mean, I enjoyed this. I hadn't watched this film since God knows when. Um, And I watched it again this afternoon. And I really, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I like it visually. I know you disagree with me. But I think it's really an interesting way that she uses color, especially like the pinks and sort of the markers of teenage female adolescence. In such a specific way. I mean, it did feel to me very much like But I'm a Cheerleader. See, but I didn't see, like, a noticeable transition like it did in But I'm a Cheerleader. Or even Rocky Horror. Like, you kind of went from the mundane, the beiges, the browns, and then everything became into color. Right. Once they were exposed to something new. So I guess maybe because there was no, like, marketed uh, transition that I didn't notice it as much. Right. Maybe I just expect expect a lot of blood in my horror films. There was a <clears> recurring <throat> theme of seeing really bright red things. The, I remember the instances of blood for sure. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of that, a lot the of pulling and seeping. But I feel Dang. like, which is why the red kind of stood out to me. I feel like on clothing hmm. that it made an appearance throughout the film, and well, I didn't um, track it. Diane had on like a white and red striped shirt. I remember that. And I think there was like a scarf or. Handkerchief. The gym teacher was wearing red, like Sue Sylvester in Glee. She was like Sue Sylvester. She was like Sue Sylvester. (laughs) I'll buy that. I'll buy that. (laughs) Still so peculiar that she chose the drill. Like that, okay, I can give you that was an intentional like parody as well as a female choice to take this drill, but such a peculiar choice. I would really want to interview her because I think there's probably a lot to unpack in this film that she intended that maybe didn't translate. And plus, I really want to hear from Rita Mae Brown. Yeah, I do too. But I, I liked the drill. I mean, for me, the drill was was kind of crucial, you know, when, when like the shots, when it was like hanging between his legs. And I think the great scene where he kills Diane, I think that's shot really well in the garage. And then it's all, it all leads up to where Valerie like hacks the, the drill off with her machete. Like hers is bigger than his. That's a good point. I mean, I think it's all a build up for that. And, you know, I, I think even though there are three girls left at the end, uh, Trish, Valerie, and Courtney, it's really Valor- Valerie who is, she's the phallic chick here. So that's one reason, like, that's one reason I would recommend this movie. I think it really lays it all out there in terms of the battle between the final girl and the killer over phallic power. And she completely wins. That's and for sure. And disarms him. And I think it does... It does feel a little bit more feminist to me than a lot of other horror mm-hmm. films. And I do like the way she uses 
the male character specifically. Like I'm thinking yeah. of the neighbor whose name is oh, escaping me. The creepy but mystery. Yeah. Opponent <laughs> or content or right. something like that. Right, and how he... Like, the threat is everywhere. It's not just from this serial killer with the drill. It's from this creepy dude who's up in your bedroom doing God knows what, looking in on you. And then also the boys who are just, you know, peeping toms, basically. Yeah. I mean, and I thought the neighbor picked up on, I think there's a scene in Halloween where Lori bumps into her next door neighbor who's just sort of standing around. For a second, he feels creepy, but then he isn't. But in this film, they just go whole hog for like, yeah, this <laughs> normal looking it. man is just insanely creepy. <laughs> so any final thoughts on this? I would recommend it flick. for sure. I would recommend, I recommend it, it if you're bored. <laughs> I second that motion. <laughs> oh, my God. We agree on a we film. Do. Whoa. We I, do. Can't, I can't believe I'm the most enthusiastic about this because normally I hate horror films that veer toward parody. See, and I think oh, I when I have fun. my parody, I want like over the top parody. So this wasn't. So this to me was just you. kind of. It was still just very run of the mill. Like there was nothing that really set it apart, except for the drill, and then I'm just left shaking my head, kind of. But it just it wasn't over the top enough for a parody, and for a straightforward horror horror film. Eh, like I wouldn't kick it out of bed, but you know. <laughs> Guess we'll agree to disagree on how strongly we recommend this. Um, well, so. let us know what you think. Yeah. Is this feminist? Is, does it exploit yeah. women? Does it celebrate women? And we will talk to you later. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>